Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and I'm recording this on Friday, February 5th, 2016. And it really was a brutal week on Wall Street, led by the tech-heavy Nasdaq, which is down about 5.5% on the week. 3% of that came today alone. The Nasdaq was down 145 points. That is the biggest one-day drop this year for the Nasdaq, which, by the way, is now down just under 17% from its high not officially in a bear market yet, but getting there. Although the vast majority of NASDAQ stocks are in bear markets. And in fact, many of those stocks are down 40 or 50% or more. In fact, there are a number of NASDAQ stocks that were down 40 or 50% today alone. Uh, The uh, Russell 2000 is already in a bear market. It's down 24% from its high. Dow Transport's also down 25% from their high. And the transports were actually up this week. That's how beaten up that index has been. But the S&P and the Dow are only down about 12% in a correction, but not quite a bear market. Although, remember, all bear markets begin as corrections. And I think this is just the early stage of a bear market. It just won't be officially confirmed until we're down 20%. Now, you can contrast that uh, to what's been going on with gold. Gold was up 5% on the week. It added $18 today alone. Uh, to close above 1170 up 50 bucks on the week. In fact, the price of gold has now risen by $120 an ounce since the Federal Reserve raised interest rates in December. The dollar also had a bad week, despite rising somewhat today on the jobs numbers, which I'm going to get to uh, later in the video blog. But despite the rebound today, the dollar index still had its worst weekly decline since 2009. And so now the opposite of everything everybody believed was going to happen if the Fed raised rates has in fact happened, right? Everybody thought the stock market would go up because by raising rates, the Fed was supposed to show how confident they were in a growing U.S. economy. Instead, the stock market has tanked. In fact, the beginning of the year, January, uh, was the worst start to a year in stock market history. In contrast, everybody assumed that rising interest rates would help the dollar. Instead, the dollar has actually declined. 
The same thing with gold. Everybody believed that higher interest rates would be bearish for gold. Instead, it was the catalyst for a huge rally in the price of gold. Now, everybody was blaming today's stock market carnage on the fact that the jobs report that was released early this morning was weaker than expected, right? Because we only created 151,000 non-farm payroll jobs and the street was looking for 188,000 jobs. So supposedly that was weaker. But the reality is it wasn't that the report was weak. That's not why the market went down. It was because it wasn't weak enough. See, the only thing that could have saved this market was a horrible jobs report, a jobs report that was so bad that it would be obvious to everybody that the Fed was not going to raise rates. But instead, this job report has convinced people that the Fed is more likely to raise rates than it was before the numbers came out. And that is why the market went down. But nobody wants to admit that. Nobody wants to acknowledge that the only thing holding up this market is the Fed. So they want to pretend that the market is disappointed that it didn't get a better jobs number. Jobs have nothing to do with it. This market has always been about one thing, and that's about the Fed and cheap money. And now it's, it's based on whether or not the Fed is going to raise interest rates again. Now, of course, I don't believe they're going to raise interest rates. I believe the next thing the Fed is going to do is to cut interest rates. I think they might even go negative, and I think they're going to launch QE4. It's just that the markets haven't figured this out yet. In fact, even the Atlanta Fed, which had initially estimated first quarter GDP, at just 1.2%, and I still think they've overestimated it. In fact, I think the 0.7% that we got for the fourth quarter of last year is going to be downwardly revised as well. But when the Atlanta Fed saw this supposedly strong jobs report, they actually increased their estimate for Q1 GDP by a full percentage point to 2.2. Well, if the Atlanta Fed thought the jobs report was so strong that it it caused them to increase their estimate for economic growth, Why are the reporters talking about the jobs report being weak and that being the catalyst for the sell-off? The reality is if you look beneath the headline number of the miss on the number of non-FAR payrolls, you'll find out what the markets were so worried about. Number one, it was the official unemployment rate, which moved down to 4.9. Now, that's the first time we've had a four handle on the unemployment rate since Obama has been president. And in fact, he didn't waste much time uh, in holding a press conference uh, proclaiming the success of his administration and declaring that the U.S. economy is the strongest in the world, which I think is quite ironic because I think we're already in recession, uh, which means the economy isn't strong at all. It's quite weak. In fact, it's one of the weakest economies in the world. Another thing that the president was claiming credit for was the fact that average hourly earnings went up. And this was what really was the nail in the stock market's coffin today. The, the estimate was that wages were going to rise by three-tenths of 1%. Instead, they rose by five-tenths of 1%. Two-tenths, that's all, but that was enough to uh, clobber the, the stock market. In fact, initially, the gold market sold off. Gold was down about 12 bucks on that number. But it rallied back uh, because gold now, I believe, is, is, re- is back in a bull market and people bought the dip. But the knee-jerk reaction was, oh, my God, uh, this big uh, wage growth, well, this means the Fed is going to hike for sure because the Fed has been talking about wages. This is something they're looking for. And now all of a sudden they've got wage growth and they've got the unemployment 
below 5%. That's their key benchmark. And of course, wage growth, according to the Phillips curvers, you know, if wages are going up, well, inflation's going up, you know, wage price push or whatever these guys want to call it. Uh, so this caused traders to want to sell the stock market because now there's an increased expectation of a rate hike. I think this is all a bunch of nonsense. So let's actually discuss this jobs number that was supposedly strong. First of all, the 151,000 jobs that were created, which was below expectations, about three quarters of those jobs were likely minimum wage jobs. They were all in the service sector, leisure and hospitality, hotels, you know, bars, restaurants. These are minimum wage jobs, three quarters of the jobs. And I bet that most of those jobs aren't even full time. I think they're part time. And again, that is the reason that we create so many jobs, because when employers refuse to hire anybody full time and now they have to hire just part time people, assuming you need the same amount of work done, you have to hire more people to work part time than if you were hiring people to work full time. And so you have more jobs. And so that is the secret to all this job creation. Just destroy the full-time jobs and force people to get multiple part-time jobs. And now you can take credit for a lot of jobs. But let's look at the wage number, the increase in average hourly earnings, right? Whoa, five-tenths of 1%, this big uh, increase, Obama patting himself on the back. Everybody is talking about this. Well, everybody forgets that on January 1st, 12 states significantly increased their minimum wage. Now, since so many people now work for the minimum wage, including people that are heading households or have college degrees, right? Since so many people are now employed at minimum wage, obviously a significant increase in that minimum wage is going to have a pretty big one-time effect on average wages during the month that the minimum wage hike effect, you know, becomes effective. So that is the real reason for the increase. That's nothing to celebrate. And of course, there are probably some people who lost their jobs because of the higher minimum wage, but that doesn't factor into the average wage because if your wage is zero because you're unemployed, you're not averaged in with all the employed people. And of course, a lot of the people who are going to lose their jobs because of the increase in minimum wage haven't lost them yet. But in January, we just got the numbers yesterday that Challenger reported that the announced layoffs in January spiked up to the highest of any January since 2009. Now that January, we were right in the middle of the financial crisis in the Great Depression, a Great Recession rather. And now we've had you know, the same number, almost as many uh, layoffs being announced this January as we had back then. Back then we were in the Great Recession, but assuming supposedly this January, the economy is so strong that the Fed just raised rates. But there's actually more to this, you know, higher wage story. But nobody bothers uh, to, uh, to delve beneath the headlines. If you look at the job categories, the category of jobs which saw the biggest increase in wages by far, wasn't even close, was mining and logging. Now, also, it happens that mining and logging lost 7,000 jobs. So the sectors that had the biggest increase in earnings got rid of 7,000 jobs. So what good is it if the higher wages are for jobs that no longer exist? Because people aren't earning those higher wages. They got pink slips, right? But also you might think, well, wait a minute. If the mining and the logging industries are laying people off, why are they giving people raises? 
They're not. See, here's how it works. When you fire people, probably particularly so in, in those types of industries, seniority is a very important consideration when you try to decide who you're going to fire and who you're going to retain. So my bet is the people who lost their jobs, the 7,000 people who got fired in logging and mining, they probably on average earned less than the more senior people that they retained. As a result of that, the average wage of the people who didn't get fired is now higher because they got rid of the lower earning employees. So that helps push up the average hourly wages. It doesn't mean the economy is better off. Of course it's not. In fact, when the Atlanta Fed uh, raised their estimate for first quarter GDP, which they're going to have to downwardly revise pretty quickly, uh, but they said it's because of the increase in average hourly earnings. So what they did is they ratcheted up their expectations for consumer spending. Well, well, why are they going to do that? The good jobs, the high paying jobs disappeared. Just because minimum wage workers uh, got a raise doesn't mean they're going to run out and spend it. In fact, considering all of the announced layoffs and the anxiety that a lot of people must feel regarding their jobs, people are going to spend less. I mean, if they still have a job, they're not sure if they're going to keep the job. And look, if you're working minimum wage, you're barely getting by as it is. Yes, you've got cheap gasoline, but rents are going up. Your health care is going up. Your utilities are going up. Your groceries are more expensive and you've got no savings. So people are trying to repair. So to think that people are going to rush out and spend, they're not going to do that at all. I don't know why anybody is going to jump to that conclusion just based on this number. And this is just January. The, um, the, the first quarter still has February and March. Who knows what these average wages are going to be uh, during those months. And certainly we're going to get a lot of layoffs. But what about the wealth effect? Doesn't the Atlanta Fed think the wealth effect is going to have any impact on decisions on spending in the U.S. economy? I mean, imagine the people that own stocks. Now, sure, most minimum wage workers probably don't own any stocks, uh, but a lot of people do. And the stock market is collapsing in 2015. And, you know, it's a lot worse beneath the surfaces. Some of the, you know, powerful stocks uh, are kind of, you know, uh, obscuring what's going on beneath the surface. But there's a lot of stocks that are being decimated. And so the people who own those stocks obviously have a lot less wealth. And so that might impact their decisions on on spending. Uh, So everything that's going on, to me, suggests that the economy is a lot weaker. And so even though the markets sold off today, based on the fact that this supposed strong jobs report is going to uh, make the Fed raise rates or more likely to raise rates, it's not true, right? And the Federal Reserve came out, just was it this week, uh, Dudley came out and stated that the Fed was concerned about what they were observing uh, in the financial markets, that if financial conditions were tightening, and if the situation didn't improve uh, by March, that it would obviously be taken into consideration uh, when they met re- to discuss interest rates. Well, obviously, not only isn't the financial situation uh, stabilizing, it's getting worse, right? The stock market is, is lower than it was when Dudley made that statement. And I think one of the reasons that he was motivated to make that statement was to try to help the stock market, and it didn't work. In fact, everybody's been trying to help the stock market. You had the ECB come out. Uh, Mario Draghi said that he would do, uh, there was no limit to what he would do uh, uh, as far as money printing is concerned. You had the same thing in Japan. They went to negative interest rates and then they copied uh, the ECB's uh, no limit language. 
but it wasn't enough. I've been saying all along, the only central banker that can save the markets is the only one wearing a skirt, and that's Janet Yellen. It's going to take Janet Yellen coming out and acknowledging the underlying weakness in the U.S. economy. Nobody still believes it. Look, I, I was on uh, CNBC Asia the other day, and I'm arguing with some guy, and I'm saying I think the economy is in a recession. And, his, and, and you hear, to hear this guy talk, I mean, it, it's like the roaring 20s. Everything is great. Balance sheets have never been this good. Consumers have all these jobs. Uh, they, have all, they have higher real incomes. I mean, he was spouting one lie after another about what he, how strong he thought the consumer was. And the same thing is going on on Wall Street. Look, I was watching on CBC today, and there was an analyst who was talking about the decline in the market. And he said, you know, there's no reason to be concerned. You know, the U.S. economy is in great shape. Uh, we're nowhere near a recession. This is just a normal adjustment. It's a normal correction. Uh, the markets are responding to slower growth in China. Slower growth in China. What does that have to do with what's going on in the U.S. market? You know, the, the stocks that are the weakest are the stocks that have nothing to do with China, right? The, the Russell 2000 is much weaker than the S&P or the Dow. There's not that many you know, multinationals in the Russell 2000. It seems to me that the stocks that are doing the worst are the ones that are the most sensitive to the U.S. economy. Look at the retailers, right? Look at the financials. These stocks are getting killed. They're heavily exposed to the U.S. And of course, a lot of the online companies that do most of their business in the U.S. I mean, they do some business internationally, but they don't do that much in China. So this is every bit about the U.S. economy. As much as everybody wants to deny it, that is the elephant in the room. And the problem for the Federal Reserve is a credibility problem because they just raised interest rates because the U.S. economy was so strong. How are they going to lower them now because it's in recession? They can't admit that. And of course, look at President Obama. He wants to proclaim how great this economy is. He wants to say he did a great job so that um, Hillary Clinton, or maybe even Bernie Sanders now, who's even tied with Hillary Clinton, uh, but assuming that Hillary is the nominee, he wants Hillary to be the next president, and she's not going to be the next president if everybody knows we're in a recession. But the reality is, I think it's very similar to when, when uh, Bush uh, finished and, and try, John McCain tried to get elected president. We were in a recession. We're in one now that's probably worse than that one. And the fact of the matter is, the more that Barack Obama tries to tell the voters how great everything is, the more they're going to resent him because they know it's not great. They know the types of jobs that they have if they have two or three. They don't want two or three low-paying uh, service sector jobs. They want good, one good job, but they can't have one. And as much as Obama wants to blame the lack of wage growth or the lack of good jobs on Bush and the hangover from the financial crisis, a lot of it has to do with the policies that he has implemented in the aftermath of, those, uh, of that crisis. He is doing everything he can, his administration, to undermine the ability of the U.S. economy to actually grow. And of course, he has a lot of help from, from the Federal Reserve, which brings me back to the box that they have uh, cornered themselves in. Because how does the Federal Reserve now uh, save the markets with a rate cut without acknowledging that raising interest rates was a mistake? Because if they cut them right now, isn't that an admission that they shouldn't have raised them? So the Federal Reserve has to wait long enough so it can create some distance between its decision to raise rates and its decision to cut them. And it has to come up with an excuse to save face. 
because I believe what the Federal Reserve is going to do is they're going to try to say, look, when we raised rates, everything was great, right? The economy was doing good and it was the right thing to do. But then something happened, whatever that something's going to be, it's probably going to be something that happened abroad, right, overseas, and it, it somehow, you know, washed up on our shores. But the Fed is going to say that whatever happened, nobody could have possibly predicted this. I mean, nobody saw this coming. This is, this is totally out of left field, right? This is like the 2008 financial crisis in that nobody could have possibly predicted it. So you can't hold us responsible for not seeing something that nobody could have seen, that this is like a 100-year flood. Yeah, you know, this is our second 100-year flood in eight years. But, you know, go figure, right? But the Fed is going to have to say something like that so that it can save face when it reduces interest rates and launches QE4. And why is the Fed going to do that? Because the Fed's going to say, look, everything was great. We saved the economy. And the proof that we saved it is that we raised interest rates because everything was great. And now because this unexpected thing happened that nobody could have possibly forecast, right? Now we're right back in a a recession again. Well, now we're going to get us out of this recession the same way we got us out of the last one because it worked so great. In fact, I I mentioned Janet Yellen already said in a press conference, this was before she raised rates, when she was asked what she was going to do if we were in a recession in 2016. And of course, she said it was very unlikely that we would be in one, which probably meant it was uh, a certainty. But her response was, well, if it turns out that we raised interest rates, we're going to cut them. And, you know, since it worked so well before when we bought assets. We'll just start up our asset purchase program. That's QE. So she's already said that she was going to do that. They're just waiting for an excuse. The problem is the longer they wait to find that excuse, the more downward pressure you're going to get on the stock market. But the gold market has already turned. So it really doesn't matter how long the Fed waits uh, to admit. I think the gold market already senses that even if the Fed does raise rates, it's not going to be nearly as much as was discounted into the gold market over the past few years when the price of gold was falling, anticipating a tightening cycle. Because this is probably going to be the shortest tightening cycle on record. And I think the gold market is already looking through this tightening cycle to the next easing cycle. And I think the same thing is happening with the dollar. Yes, we did have a rally in the dollar today, as I said, following the release of this jobs report that supposedly contained this information that would lead the Fed to raise rates. But I would say that the decline in the stock market that happened as a result of people thinking the Fed made, might raise rates actually makes it that much less likely that the Fed would actually raise rates, which I think the possibility of that anyway is zero. And so I think as markets digest the reality of what's going on in the U.S. economy and the U.S. markets, I think the dollar is going to resume its decline. I think this was a very significant week for the dollar. The dollar index tried to break above 100. It got to, I think, uh, 99.80. It's closed, I think, on Monday or Tuesday. was like 99.60. And then it collapsed, uh, and it almost broke through 96, but it rallied up uh, higher than that um, by the close today. But this was a significant breakdown, I think, in the dollar across the board. And so I think that's going to continue. But of course, once the Fed is forced to admit how weak the economy is, once they're forced to admit that we're in a recession and the market needs more stimulus, at least according to its its, uh, theory, then it's a whole new ballgame. But it might not necessarily be the Fed admitting it. 
because the markets might figure it out on their own, right? So either the Fed is going to level with the markets or the markets are going to call the Fed's bluff. The markets are going to figure this out. But either way, reality is going to replace fantasy. Because remember, the fantasy under which everybody has been operating, and many people are still operating, despite overwhelming evidence that that fantasy is wrong, is that the U.S. economy is in good shape, that the Fed is going to be able to raise interest rates, that there's this big policy divergence because the rest of the world is weak. Europe is a mess. Japan is a mess. We're the only country in good shape. So we're the only country that's going to be raising interest rates. So people have been putting money in U.S. assets as a safe haven. People have been buying the dollar. That is the narrative that is completely false. Because as I've said many times on this video blog and on my, my podcasts, the U.S. economy is actually in worse shape than it was in 2008. All of the problems that led to the financial crisis, right, which were created by the Federal Reserve, all those problems have now been exacerbated by the very institution, the Federal Reserve, that created them in the first place. But if you remember, the Federal Reserve, at least publicly, was oblivious to those problems right up until we were knee-deep in the crisis. Well, they're just as oblivious now. And it's the same group of people, and either they're being honest and they're completely you know, incompetent, or they're lying now the same way they were lying then. Remember, Ben Bernanke on a radio show was questioned about how he felt about the ridiculous comments that he made about how strong the economy was and how strong the housing market was in 05 and 06. And his response was, well, you know, you couldn't exactly expect me to tell the truth. I was speaking as a member of the uh, administration. Well, if that was the case, certainly Janet Yellen considers herself a member of the Obama administration. She wants to be a member of the Clinton administration. So the last thing that she wants to do is admit that the economy is in a recession. In fact, I don't think anybody in Europe or Japan want to admit that either, because America is the poster boy for QE success. We are the only nation where QE is supposed to have worked. That's why they're doing it other places. They're trying to emulate our success. When they realize that our success was just a failure, then what's the point of following that roadmap when it leads you right back into recession? In fact, I think the recession that we are already in, and yes, the, federal, the government will eventually admit this uh, after the fact, just like they did with the Great Recession, but I think this recession is going to be a greater recession. I think it's going to be deeper and longer lasting than the last one. And I don't think the government's going to be able to save us with a stimulus, right? I think that ship has long sailed. I think when the dollar starts to tank and when it does, I think consumer prices in the U.S. are going to go up a lot more next time than they did last time because everybody right now believes that the currency that's in trouble is the Chinese uh, yuan. But I believe once the dollar starts to decline, it's the yuan that's going to rise. It's the dollar that's going to tank. And when the Fed launched QE1, that wasn't the case because the Chinese were still pegging their currency to the dollar and that helped support the dollar and it helped keep the cost of Chinese imports lower for American consumers. I don't think they're going to make that mistake twice. I think the Chinese have already let the markets know that their currency is going to be more flexible, that they're going to let their currency fluctuate with other currencies and not just rigidly peg it to the dollar. And everybody has assumed, well, that just means the Chinese currency could collapse because the dollar is so strong. But the belief in a strong dollar is predicated on a U.S. recovery with the Fed raising rates. If instead we're in a severe recession 
and the Fed is cutting rates or has them negative and is doing more QE, then the dollar is going to tank and the Bank of China is going to let it tank against their currency, which means this recession, unlike the previous one, where consumers were relieved because consumer prices didn't rise or rose slowly, I think now you're going to see big increases in consumer prices. Remember the stagflation of the 1970s, except this is going to have a lot more stagnation and a lot more inflation. And unlike what Ronald Reagan did at the end of that decade to put out that fire, nothing like that's going to happen this time because we can't do it. We don't have the tools. We can't raise interest rates to fight inflation, no matter how high inflation rises, because that's how broke we are. The only thing keeping our institutions afloat including the federal government, is artificially low interest rates. And the more debt we have, uh, the more important those low interest rates are uh, to maintain the illusion of solvency. So inflation is going to keep on going up, and that is going to cause a flight from the dollar. So the the pace at which the dollar is declining now, it's going to accelerate. Not only will the dollar surrender all of its ill-gotten gains based on the false expectation of rate hikes, but the dollar is going to fall substantially further than it was before it rose because the U.S. economy is in much worse shape now than it was back then because of all the years that have gone by.